Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining us today for a special podcast all about marriage. Uh, This conversation that you're about to hear is part two of a conversation that we had um, in the last episode. So if you haven't listened to part one, I encourage you to stop this, go back and listen to that, and then come back to this. uh, Because this conversation really is a continuation of part one. But just want to say, hey, my name is Riley. I'm one of the pastors here at Calvary. I'm in studio with Nate Holdridge and his wife, Christina. And again, we are talking about marriage today. Some questions that we're trying to answer today are concerning mental health and marriage. We're talking about sex and intimacy. We're talking about leadership. This is some the deep end of the pool kind of conversations when it comes to uh, relationships and building a life together. And we hope that this blesses you and your marriage, whether you're in one now you're considering getting married, or you're just kind of dreaming about that in the future, that these kind of responses would build you up with knowledge from scripture and that you'd be strengthened for that relationship in front of you. So let's jump right into this part two conversation with Nate and Christina. Hey, we have a couple more questions. Um, these next two are about um, kind of health. This next one's kind of more about like mental health. I'm kind of curious to hear what you guys have to say about this. Um, the question is, do you have any advice for a husband who wants to help his wife who's experiencing depression or a lack of drive and purpose? Um, I know we talk about depression. I mean, there's, I think we were just talking about this actually earlier. There's a lot of different things that can kind of trigger depression, kind of prompt it. So I know this is a really pretty large question, but I don't know if you guys would feel comfortable sharing just from your own marriage if there's been seasons of depression in your own marriage um, that you guys have kind of navigated through and like maybe what kind of helped you guys kind of move through that hmm. or just like any kind of general advice you have for people in marriages how can you help each other just kind of pull up out of hmm. the, the yeah. dirt in a sense you know just kind of out of like that funk hmm. whatever that depression may look like do you guys have any thoughts about how to navigate that and his husband is specifically asking about his wife so yeah, yeah but a, that really could cross over yeah, both ways. It's really certainly can, not yeah. gender specific. No, right. it's a, it's a delicate question because, like you said, it. You know, if if we're sitting together with the person that's asking this question, there's follow up questions mm-hmm. that we would ask before answering. You know, because depression can come from a lot of different sources and, and yeah. angles. Is this something that's happening mentally is there a reason is there some cause something that happened in life a catastrophe a trial a disappointment um is there some kind of sin in the marriage or even in the in the person the husband or the spouse or the person that's depressed that is driving them into a spiritual depression uh are there elements where it's a spiritual depression that's not being brought on because of sin but just because of a real tumultuous time or difficulty or temptation or just spiritual warfare that they're going through? Is it, um, you know, something that's happening hormonally? Is it a stage of life? You know, is there postpartum Mm -hmm. issues that are causing, you know, the, the woman to be, um, you know, just feeling not herself, you know, there's, so there's a lot of follow-up questions that we might ask. I think in our marriage, um, I don't know if our friends would be surprised by this or not, but I think in our marriage, I'm the one that's actually more prone to depression and just getting the blues Mm -hmm. than Christina is. Uh, It's actually more of a surprising time when in the course of just a, you know, female cycle of things that she says, like, I'm actually really feeling it right now. I'm really kind of blue right now, just a little like sensitive little tender and she's usually very like aware of that you know like I just know my hormones are just kind of racing right now I think for me I've always been the one that struggles with being a little more melancholy and can get down about things whose brain can tend to be a little bit too active and like thinking about something over and over again Um, I know that with God's grace on me in the pulpit at times, I can sound like 
resolute, strong, confident, and all of that. But the reality is, like, I get my feelings hurt. I, you know, it's been a major struggle for me to learn how to be a public figure and a senior pastor. Like, I don't really like that. I never really wanted anybody to know who I was. I don't like being critiqued. I, you know, don't like being criticized by people. You know, those things are real hard for me, you know. And um, there are times where just the frustration of life or ministry or wanting to see more fruit or I can tend to be pretty hard on myself Mm -hmm. and set high expectations. I just get kind of blue and will go through, you know, a couple times a year, just a time of like real like, man, I'm just down right now. You know, I'm not like sitting in a dark room or anything. Um, just, you know, playing, you know, Johnny Cash songs and just, you know, quietly just crying myself to sleep or anything. I mean, although I've had some pretty serious times of being pretty somber, but Christina has always been really there for me, a great source of encouragement. So I think what, what I'll do, I'll speak from the vantage point of the person who maybe battles that a little bit more is I would just encourage you. I'd really encourage you again. I don't know the situation that this person's coming from, but as a general encouragement, if you become discouraged and you are married, talk to your spouse, you know, open up your heart to them, share with them what's going on in your life and the things that you're struggling with and battling. We even had a time just last week where we were out on our weekly date night and, you know, I was going through something. She'd asked me that morning. She's like, you know, how are you feeling this morning? How was your quiet time? And I just, I kind of just, we didn't have a lot of time. So I just told her honestly, I said like, I'm kind of having a rough morning. I'm a little discouraged today. Mm -hmm. And so she asked me that night, you know, so like, do you want to talk about that? And to be honest, I didn't really want to, (laughs) but I knew this is going to be good. This is good medicine. I need to do this. And gosh, it just was so helpful. Mm. She had so many um, words, not just of encouragement, which was definitely a blessing, but also perspective that I didn't have in and by myself. So to start, I I think I would just encourage someone who is depressed or discouraged uh, to open up to your spouse. Again, that's not the sole answer, you know, there's a time where, you know, someone who's a certified professional counselor might be needed in your life or there might be medicinal intervention that needs to happen. I don't know the situation that's, you know, yeah. being brought up here, but just yeah. from our experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think for for our marriage, if I were to like summarize some of what you just said, you go through seasons of... I don't know if it's depression, but at least you could say discouragement. Mm-hmm. Maybe somebody who had went through seasons of depression, it would look much darker than I what, think so. Yeah, I think so. I, I I'm guessing it yeah. would, but you go through seasons of discouragement that are pretty weighty and can last for a while sometimes, and that you just can't shake, you know. And but I've experienced like actual physical, like oh my gosh, like. I just want, I just want to cry. Mm -hmm. I just like, um, so edgy and probably every female on the planet can relate to that. And, and not just like the, the womanly time of the month kind, but where you, I know that it's very like physically related. Like I can just tell this is like all of a sudden I'm feeling like this and now this isn't going away, but it feels much more hormonal to me. So I think I've experienced, and I've had a little seasons of that where it's like, I'm just, week after week like it feels like it's weighing down on me my I just want to cry at everything and then one time I found out I was pregnant (laughs) so when I was feeling that way but it it feels much more clear-cut like this is a hormonal thing and with you it's like seasons of discouragement and I think your seasons of discouragement have been much more common in our marriage than my hormonal things but maybe both of us can relate to it to a small degree Mm -hmm. I think one thing I've learned in trying to support you in those times um that's gonna sound silly but 
uh, is just like not to try to fix the problem, mm. not to try to change your mind about the problem, not to try to talk you out of feeling bummed out about the situation and like give you the positives on the negative, you know, mm. it just feels like in the moment you need someone who is willing to come alongside with you and hear you and be bummed out with you and um not try to fix the situation we've had we've had times of you being discouraged where i've tried to fix the situation so now we're in a fight where i'm trying to fix the situation you just want someone to be like man that's really hard and i'm sorry that you're really struggling and you're really down and you're really depressed and so i've learned the hard way a lot of times that what's necessary some of the time or at least in the immediate moments is not just like a fix mm -hmm. or as someone trying to fix or to give you the positive on it, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, just to kind of mm -hmm. like weep with those who are weeping mm -hmm. a little yeah. bit and just sort of support you through it. That's yeah. been one ingredient. Yeah. I've, I've found too that it's important uh, not to take it personally as the person when you, when you're not, when when your spouse is struggling yeah not to always take that personally what am i know? doing wrong yeah, i always think of that passage in um first samuel chapter one where uh elkanah he's got yeah 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 you know his, the wife his and, wife and, yeah, and uh she's Sa weeping samuel's, samuel's mom, mom yeah. yeah and she's weeping because she can't have kids yeah and he's married to another woman too. And yeah. she's having a bunch of kids. So he's a polygamist. <laughs> and he is like, what's wrong? And she's Haven't like, I, I made can't, you I happy? can't have any yeah. kids. And she says, and he says, aren't I better to you than seven sons? <laughs> yeah. It was like, he took it so personally. Like, I mean, I get that you're sad about that, but aren't no, I No, he didn't even get that yeah, he, he didn't was even sad get about it. it. Yeah. yeah. So I always cracked up at that. that scene and just think yeah you don't want to be that person that you're taking it personally like yeah now wow. there are times where you should take it personally because <laughs> you are the one who has made the other person super sad yeah. so in those instances you do need to take it personally if that's what you discover but i've discovered that with you at times when you're going through uh, things or, yeah. you're, or you're having those hormonal moments it can feel real like you want to Fix it, like you said, or take it personally. And you just yeah. kind of can't. You got to just yeah. be there for the person, try to minister to them, try to lift up their spirits. Yeah, totally. And then, of course, you know, we're here in First Peter 3, 1 through 7, you know, this husband asking this question, you got to be on your knees before That's God. That's what I was going to say. You know, say. for your wife and ask God to help her, minister to her. There are things that only God can do for your spouse. Right that you cannot do you we cannot do be god for each other we cannot we will never satisfy each other it's god who right. satisfies us as individuals mm -hmm. so you gotta really just you know go to the lord and you know there are times where your spouse is going to go through something that only god can be the remedy to and god might choose not to use you as wow. the solution yeah, big time it's going to come through either directly by a spirit somebody else a friend a counselor um, but someone else is going to be the answer to your prayers so and you know the reality is like you know we can't sit back and say and then if i do all the right things my spouse is going to exit their depression there's really no guarantee no. of that on this side of eternity the day is coming where all who are in christ every tear will be wiped away and we will enter into the new creation and we won't have any even option to enter into discouragement or depression but there's there's no guarantee of that on this side of eternity so we have to brace ourselves this is part of us when we stand before God and witnesses yeah. and say, till death do us part, you know, in sickness and in health for better or for worse, mm. this is part of us saying the unhealth and the worse, like I will go through that with you. Yeah. Shoo. Yeah. That's some good stuff. We're going to add something else. 
I lost my train of thought. I was thinking of the sickness and the health thing too. And just that you're committed to that person. Um, no matter what. No, I lost my train of thought. I don't know. (laughs) I'm like, literally, I'm literally raising my hands right now for all that you guys just said. That was so good. I really appreciate that. Thanks for taking us a little bit deeper into your guys's, um, marriage. It's really helpful. Speaking of oh, getting, can I say oh, something? Yeah, I remembered it. You can fix please the, do. I was just going to say when you were talking about praying and that you might not be the answer for your spouse. On the other hand, sometimes you're the only person that sees the things that you see and knows the things that you know. And, and by all means, I'm advocate for like, especially if it's a dark season, like opening up to invite other people Mm -hmm. into the situation. But there are things that only the spouse sees or, or feels or knows about the person that's struggling. You can pray for them in a way that nobody else can pray for them. And so when you're Mm -hmm. committing those things to God, it's just like God can move no matter what, but you can pray for them in a way that nobody else knows to pray for them. And so I just, I think like I would have started this with prayer. Um, mm. if, if we started this, this talk back up, you know, I just think that prayer is so effective and God uses it in so many ways that you don't see and you don't know, but to believe in the power of prayer and then to really, really believe that like, um, how you pray and what you pray for your spouse is so important in those moments mm-hmm. and that it's, you might have a special angle that nobody else is seeing or knowing. So, wow. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. In my, in my workshop at the marriage conference, I was talking about how each spouse is called to be a, a minister. I'm sorry. Yeah. A minister of the gospel. Paul talks about yeah. how that's just like one of our roles as Christians. And that word minister means to like, like you touch a felt need. I know felt need is kind of a loaded term, but like you see the need of somebody, you kind of provide yourself as someone who can apply the gospel message, the good news of Jesus to them to help build them up and strengthen them mm. um, by the power of God's spirit. And I was just talking to young couples about how in marriage, we are ministers to one another. That's like right. you, you really can pray for one another in a way that no one else can because you see if yep. your spouse opens up enough and um, there's that humility and that trust there, you can you can see a lot of that person mm-hmm. and pray for them. And that's just so powerful. Like what a yeah. unique privilege you have as a spouse to go to the front lines yeah. for your spouse. Amen. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about uh, this next question. Um, how do you maintain sexual health? And I, I think the question is not about how can you just maintain like health physically with yourself to perform sex, but how, how do you, <laughs> this is like such a great thing to like break down right now on a podcast. We'll scrap it. No, but how do you, you know, maintain a healthy sexual relationship mm. in marriage? Mm-hmm. You guys were talking about how important, how important sex is in marriage mm-hmm. at the marriage conference, Just. You don't have to go into any details, but how, sure. how do you guys maintain that health Yeah, with each other, that intimacy? Um, I mean, just first things first, I just think a healthy sexual relationship in marriage is, is only ever going to be able to come if there's purity in mm. the relationship. Not perfect, you know, per, not perfection in that department, but like strong purity so that each individual is fighting for personal integrity and purity mm. when it comes to their sexuality each as an individual and then as a married as a married couple you're also fighting for purity so you're not watching trashy things you're not taking mm. in trashy things into the marriage so um that, that just has to be said right off the bat there's no way you're going to have a sexually healthy relationship if the two individuals or you guys as a married couple are, um, yeah, not, not, um, fighting for personal integrity. Yeah. If you're inviting things in to yourself or to, into your marriage that are sexually impure, it's going to show up in the marriage bed. It's going to impact things in a negative way. Yeah. And if I could just piggyback on that thought and add an addendum specifically I think primarily for men. Statistics show 
that many women are engaging with pornography mm -hmm. in our modern era. It is happening, but it's happening always consistently at a much lesser rate than it's happening with men. I don't think that every wife out there should just assume that her husband is looking at pornography, but I do think that every wife out there could assume mm -hmm. that her husband is going to experience temptation sexually in his life. If he is heterosexually wired, then he is going to experience that temptation towards that kind of pornography. He doesn't need to give into it. He doesn't get a pass to give into it. But there needs to be an understanding that, hey, this is something that we want to make sure doesn't make it into our lives and into our marriage and into our family. And so we want to really protect and, and be cautious about this particular issue. So I always counsel people, you know, I mean, for, it always begins in the heart. You know, if somebody doesn't have the fear of the Lord and they want to engage with this, then they're going yeah. to. So it always begins there. It, it has to start with a fire that God ignites within the soul of a person. But once that happens, I personally don't think that it's enough or I don't think that it's wise to then just step, step back and say, so that should be enough. Like you love God, you fear God. So therefore just don't do it. Mm. I think also there needs to be some transparency and putting into practice some wisdom so that you have some barriers to entry into inviting that into your life. So I always encourage guys. I mean, the product I've been using for many, many years is called covenant eyes and it sits on my phone, which I think is the primary place that people are viewing pornography these days because it is the pr most private of all devices. You know, the yeah. screen is so small, you can carry it with you anywhere, and it's just a dangerous thing. And by the way, if you're a parent listening to this, do not let your teenage kids have unfiltered internet access in their rooms. I'd encourage you not to let them have their phones in their rooms with them, even if you have phones that are Any stripped devices. down to where they can't even go very many places with their phones. Uh, I'd encourage you to make that a public family space, you know, environment thing. You're not gonna be able to ensure without a doubt that anything bad is coming into the home, but that's a step that you can take. I'd also encourage, uh, oh man, I'm forgetting, I'm blanking on the other service that we use. So I use Covenant Eyes for all my devices, which means that if, if I ever were to look at anything bad, Christina gets a report about it. Pastor Jeff gets a report about it. it. He knows what to do with that report and talking to her and talking to my board of directors. I mean, it puts the fear of God in a man to know that there will be repercussions yes. for his actions. So I always encourage guys to do that. Um, and then to put up some kind of filter on, you know, on the home internet and all of that, but covenant eyes, you know, and, and then taking the steps to talk to each other about, Hey, I'm feeling, you don't have to get into all the details and everything, but if there are moments where you're feeling more tempted or you're just like, that's alive in you in that moment, mm -hmm. you can talk about it. You know, I've know of one married couple I was talking to recently where, you know, kind of just the rhythms of their life, the husband, it's like the temptation would start bubbling up during times when they were getting really busy and they weren't taking the time to be intimate together. And she just like oblivious to the whole thing. And he needed to open up to her and talk about it. Like, mm -hmm. Hey, I'm kind of struggling right now. And I think part of it is because we just haven't been together for a little while. So this like desire is building inside of me. It's not that I want to go outside of this, to have that desire fulfilled. It's just the temptation feels stronger to me right now. And I think that part of, part of this could be helped if we took the time and disciplined ourselves to even when we're busy, enjoy each other sexually. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're talking about what not to do. And on top of that, you know, there's things in your regular, the, the physical health of your body, that there's the things you don't do. And then there's the things that you do do to promote health. Right. So if we're talking about sexual health and marriage and the things you don't do. And, um, along with that is really, you don't engage in, um, 
any kind of deep or meaningful relationship with the opposite sex <laughs> outside of your spouse. I mean, I think that has a, an impact on your sexual relationship. So, um, same with your phone, same with all, all those things where same with your social media accounts, there's just no like light flirtations. There's no, there's, there's good boundaries. I'm not saying you can't be a friend or a like a coworker and have like a jovial relationship with someone of the opposite gender, but any kind of deep, meaningful relationship or flirtatious relationship, you're just cutting that off because honestly, that's going to impact the, the physical, the sexual health of your relationship. I think. Yeah. yeah when you, you start getting to a point where I think a lot of times, at least as a man, you can feel it. You can feel that you're getting some affirmation mm -hmm. and attention that feels really good. And if you start really writing that mm -hmm. and you, you, you don't just recognize it and go, whoa, wow, wow I could be tempted in that direction sure. because the respect that I'm getting yeah. or that uh, friendliness that I'm getting, it just feels good, it feels easy, it's flowing. If you're not cautious about that, then whether the other person even knows that that's what they're doing to you or not, it's not every person out there is some predatory totally. you know, person trying to get you, but it's just that in your own heart, it can really impact yeah. because those are things that you want to get from your spouse, right. you want to receive from your spouse. So I'm, yeah. we're all about learning how to have you know healthy, friendships with, with the opposite the opposite sex uh, it, so it's you know not some like crazy paranoia or something no like that that's unhealthy and and looks at everybody of the opposite sex with suspicion or something like that but uh, it is important to be getting the right things from the right source yeah and that's a good way to there's say a it. certain thing that you need to get from your spouse and your spouse wow. alone yeah, yeah. Um, another thing, maybe on the pro side, ways to the, the positives, I think you really need to, in order to maintain sexual health, you've got to be talking about it. Um, because seasons of life bring lots of different, um, calendar changes, schedule changes, body changes, um, sleep changes. There's just so many things that no matter how much you may have like been in some great flow at one point in your life, um, fast forward six months and things could look totally different, let alone six years. Um, your physical health or your season of life could look totally differently. So I think you need to talk about, um, how the other person is doing and how it's going for them. And, um, just like keeping that, not like overly talked about or whatever, but I, I think it needs to be a conversation. Yeah. And I think this is usually hard for somebody in yeah. the relationship. I know for us, it's not been the thing that I'm like just chomping at the bit. I can't wait to have yeah. the vulnerable, awkward conversation about how it's going in our sex life. But, right. Uh, it has been so important and you know to talk about like what do you like right what that I'm doing is a blessing and also <laughs> therefore what's not a blessing sure. you know like you might think you're just the man and she's like well it's not really doing it for me you yeah. know but I really do like it when you do this or when you do that right um, so I think just like the nuts and bolts communication yes. you know of the actual activity itself um, and then there's talking about, like you said, you know, the different seasons of life, like mm. how often. Yeah. You, expectations, you know, frequency. Yeah, exactly. You know, getting things. into that, you know, usually, I mean, you're dealing with two people. It's not yep. an on demand thing. Right. It's, you know, bringing both of those desires into the same bed and figuring out, you know, how often are we going to try to pursue each other in this way? What are the things that hurt your feelings? What are the things that make you feel good? Yeah, what relaxes I think, your, your spouse? What yes. times of the day are great for them and other times are not that you totally. know, enjoyable? You know, yeah. just having the conversation. Yeah, and then I think being a person that is um, safe <laughs> yeah. um, to be able to talk about those kinds of things with, because that's really vulnerable and really easily embarrassing to talk about any of those things, whether it's the nuts and bolts or what's great in leading up to it, or I don't know, they're just the whole thing can be really 
vulnerable. And so I think becoming for the other person, someone who's safe, someone who's receptive, someone who's encouraging, someone who they feel comfortable with, someone who's positive, someone who's affirming, all of those things really um, contribute to really helping that out too. And I think another thing that I would throw in there, uh, I remember uh, we got this advice actually, it came from your aunt who's not a Christian, but oh, I thought yeah. it was great yeah. advice. She just said like, you need to laugh about it Yes, because you know, over the course of your whole lifetime, like it is kind of a funny thing that we humans it's super do. Funny. <laughs> and there are going to be times where you just, you kind of are like, well, I wasn't my best self right there, <laughs> you know. So sorry. That or you there's had to awkward noises, that, you know? or you're yeah. tr- and somebody, so you, you're you know, just like you know, kids, hey, all the things. We'll get it next time. Yeah, you know? <laughs> not taking it too seriously. Exactly, you know, yeah. just having a little bit of a sense of humor about it because, like I said at the marriage conference, you know, the that the those uh, books designed for little children, the My Changing Body books, yeah. you know, like as you get older, you're kind of just going through life, like your body changes, it's just stuff that's, and it's not just like, you know, I know our inward man, the Bible says, can go from glory to glory, but that's not what the outward person does. What? We, except for you, you do, yeah, glory what? to glory for you. <laughs> man. <laughs> So just laughing about it, you know, being um, comfortable talking about it or as comfortable as you need to be to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Communication is really huge in this area. Totally. And then, you know, I mean, just practice makes perfect. Yeah. You know, there's just a lot to be said for that. You know, people, there's a, there's a narrative that's out there that married sex is boring and that marriage is bad and that marriages don't last very long and that people that are married are dissatisfied with sex. And that's the narrative. And of course, all our popular media does everything to enforce that idea because we're not being bombarded with images of people who've been married for 45 years enjoying each other physically it's always like we just met we're both young we're at the peak of our physical attractiveness and this is so hot and heavy and that's what is enjoyable but when they actually dig into polling and statistics and find out it's actually not true at all. It's mm-hmm. people who've been married a long time who are super satisfied yeah. with their sexual experiences in life. And it's people who are young and beautiful who are often awkward and clunky and dissatisfied with their sexual experiences. So we, you just can't believe the lie that's out there and you can yeah, grow in your enjoyment physically of your spouse. All that said, same thing I said about the depression thing, there is no guarantee that this will ever be some epic part of a person's life and marriage. And, you know, I think it's something that is definitely worth continuing to fight for, Mm. pray about, investigate. Like if there's some kind of like physical discomfort or block that's there to investigate any medical treatment that needs to happen there without making it into an idol, you know, that is being pursued or worshiped. But all that said, even if there's never a breakthrough, you're going to have sex for like 0.5% of your married life. You got all this other time to enjoy together, you know, and to be together. So how much time you're actually spending in the bedroom, you know, engaging each other physically is infinitesimal in comparison to the amount of time that you're going to spend talking or going out to dinner or doing life together. So just Mm -hmm. realize like, it's not a, it's not a make it or break it kind of thing. And, um, you know, you can still have a great marriage, even if this isn't firing on all cylinders at all times. Mm -hmm. And I would just follow up with the idea that sometimes it's good to, if this is a department in your marriage where it's really, there's a lot of hurt 
or there's just a lot of not um, being able to connect. Um, I think counseling can help because you, you may not realize how much your past is affecting your current marriage. I think a good book can help if there's just a lot of fear, if you grew up in a culture where sex was shamed, and so then you're just so embarrassed and so closed off, and so you need just some help. So there's great Christian books, and there's great Christian counselors, and there's great Christian podcasts um, who can help a couple or an individual um, work through some of those things in order to get, you know, to, for that to be a little bit more healthy. That's good. Wow. Some real talk on the podcast right now. <laughs> Thank you guys for that. That was yeah. awesome. You guys have, a uh, some time for two more questions. Let's do this. Two, two last questions and we can wrap it up. Um, this is an interesting question that, um, many of us maybe think from time to time, um, might actually be able to go to scripture for a little bit of this answer. But the question is, if both the husband and wife are in heaven, will they recognize each other? <laughs> I think let's go back to that verse where it's like, you know, we're raised up, there's not marriage in heaven and sure. all of that. So, go ahead, babe. That's a you department. <laughs> yeah, we, we're not going to be dumber in heaven. We're going to be smarter in heaven <laughs> than we are today. So you'll recognize so. everybody. Uh, so yes, you will recognize each other in heaven. You know, part of the question probably comes from the the uh, the day that that Jesus was challenged by all the religious leaders and the Sadducees thought that they could really trap Jesus because they, they were a camp of theologians who did not believe in the resurrection, so they did not believe in life after death, and so they took the law that talked about if a woman, uh, if a man dies without bearing children with his wife, then she is to marry the next living brother. And so they proposed this crazy situation to Jesus of seven brothers who all had the same wife and never had a child. The, the reason why she never had a child in their little uh, trap for Jesus was, I think they assumed if she'd had a child with one of them, then she would be like the official wife of that dude forever. Um, and so because they didn't believe in the resurrection, they're like snickering and saying, so whose wife will she be in the resurrection? Obviously, in their mind, they're thinking, the resurrection, that's so silly. The Bible's not true. Uh, how, could, how could this happen? She's going to have seven husbands in heaven. Um, and I taught this last year. Uh, we spent a whole Sunday really going in depth on this, mm -hmm. and I, it was basically a message about Jesus addressing the silliness of what, what was purported to be the silliness of the Bible to these Sadducees. But Jesus, in reply, said, you guys don't know the power of God and you don't know the scriptures. When they rise from the dead, they're, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to be married in heaven, but there's a lot that we don't really know about what those relationships are going to be like in in the eternal state whether it's a millennial reign of christ or you know heaven the the permanent new heavens and new earth um, that we're going to experience my my hope and expectation is that there is something special hmm. about our most precious earthly relationships i mean i have no problem thinking about you, Riley, and thinking, man, I can't wait to have a heavenly friendship with you. You know, the, the things that we'll be able to learn together and experience together and, and engage with each other about, I'm looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. So if I'm thinking that way about friendships that I have in life, my hope and desire is that there's going to be something special that I have with Christina. Part of the reason that we won't be married in heaven is because, well, here on earth, that level of intimacy is partly communicating the kind of connection that God wants to have with his creatures. The mystery of marriage is that it is, according to Paul in Ephesians 5, communicating on earth 
the kind of desire that God has for his people. So when we're with God eternally, the connection will have happened. We'll be married in a sense to God himself. But I'm fully expecting that I'm going to enjoy Christina more there and my kids more there than I do right now. I don't know how it's all going to look. I don't know how it's all going to work. And obviously the era that we're in today is so special and we must cherish it. And we shouldn't be like so many of the religions of the world who describe their eternal paradise as some crazy big orgy for the male adherents. And it's just not that great of a place for the women. We shouldn't think of it like that. Um, but I do think there's going to be something special there as well. I don't totally know what it is. I'm not trying to be extra biblical about it. I just, I think there's some things the Bible is silent about when it comes to what it's going to be like, but we'll definitely recognize each other. I could have just said that at the (laughs) beginning. Yes, we'll recognize each other. Yeah, I love it. Yes. No, great. That's super helpful to understand that too. And that um, kind of definition of marriage, what it's for. Yeah. It's helpful to, to recognize that as well. Let's talk about this last question. We can wrap right. it up. Uh, real simply, how do you make a marriage last? It mm. seems like they don't anymore. Yeah, don't get a divorce. No, <laughs> don't die. <laughs> I'm dying. Um, <laughs> that was good. No, I'm sure that the point is like, how do you actually like? But probably- there is totally something too having a commitment yeah divorce like both of you just feel like that's not an option this Mm -hmm. is not something that we do and obviously we've all known people who have said that before and then something happened and they did get divorced but it divorce will happen a lot more frequently among people who entertain that as a possibility yeah when you just feel, no, this is out of bounds. It's impossible. I'm not going to go there. This is not something that God would ever want um, me to do. Then you're just less prone to engaging. And there are a couple of biblical reasons for someone to permissibly enter into divorce. Your spouse uh, is sexually unfaithful to you is a reason that Jesus gave in a couple of the statements that he made. And then the departure of an unbeliever is a reason that Paul gave in 1 Corinthians 7. So your spouse just says, I want to have nothing to do with you. And they depart and they're not a believer, um, which that's what an unbeliever, it's like unbeliever behavior kind of right. stuff. Believers aren't going to do that, I think is the way Paul would think about it. So, you know, those are some areas where a person could say, well, I've either just kind of like been divorced because they left or I'm allowed to pursue divorce because of a sexual sin that they've committed. They've committed adultery against me. Um, it's not even required in that instance, but Jesus seems to frame it as an option in that instance because of the harm that's been done to the marriage. But it is really important for a person to say, oh, we're not going there. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I talked about dating in the, first Peter series and one of the things I said that a dating couple should be talking about in their premarital counseling if they want to get engaged or are engaged they need to talk about a lot of different issues and one thing I just said you got to be on the same page about divorce Mm -hmm. you'd hate to find out too late that (laughs) oh the person that I married they actually think that that's like a legit option if things aren't going great or they don't like it anymore but to go into it with somebody who says you know even when it's lame and I don't like this person, this is not an option. Yeah. So that's not on the table. So that that's a really important part of yeah, having a totally. long and lasting thing. I think the question, you know, I kind of addressed it in the previous thing we talked about, but to say it seems like they don't happen anymore, right. you need to get in the right groups because it does happen a lot. It happens plenty of times. Plenty what of happens? people are marriages long, that last long marriages. Okay. And long happy marriages. Mm-hmm. They happen way more than society would have you believe. The statistics about how many marriages end in divorce, they are super skewed by serial divorcers. 
who get married, get divorced, then get married again, get divorced, get married again, get divorced. Interesting. They're skewed. It's it. A lot of people just get married and stay married. But you know, we have this. Uh, this there's like this mythology of just as many divorces happen in the church as outside of the church. That's not true. And we also have this mythology that a lot of people don't make it to the end. That's not true either. It's just that that's what we're being told a lot of times. So there, once you dig beneath the surface, surface of some of those numbers, you find actually a lot more people are remaining faithful to each other. They're staying married and they're really happy about it. Yeah. So don't believe that lie. Yeah. For one, um, just take a moment, kind of think, think you know, uh, about people that you know. And we've had to do that ourselves because both of our parents, uh, both sets of our parents divorced and remarried. Mm -hmm. So it has been a challenge for us to kind of look around and go, okay, no, but we know this couple, Mm -hmm. we know Mm -hmm. that couple, we know that couple, they really love each other. All these great people that have made it or continuing to make it or, and are doing really well. So it's out there. So I just want to address that in the question. It might seem that. that way, but it's not always that way. And just because, I mean, Hey, the church, like, I don't know how, what percentage of our population is actually legitimately Christian, but I, I've read different things where they've asked like lots of doctrinal theological questions and stuff like that, where I wouldn't be surprised if, even though you've got like 60% of Americans say they're Christians or whatever, I wouldn't be surprised if it's really around 7%. <laughs> so yeah, what that means wow. is like, we're thinking about all these marriages out there. Right. They're not even Christians. What about the 7% of legit gospel-believing Christians that are out there? I think a much higher percentage of them are doing really well. So part of it's just like you got to think about the right. Of course we're going to be different from the world. Of course there's going to be a lot of divorce out there in the world. When you got two people that are built on the foundation that is not Jesus, I would expect the divorce rate to be higher there, mm-hmm. especially when you're living in a divorce culture where that's an option. Um, but... When Jesus is the foundation, I think you've got a great shot of having a great marriage. It's mm-hmm. a lot of fun together mm-hmm. for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. So do you have any, so. I'm just setting the table. You're I don't setting want you the to table. Talk about... <laughs> so yeah, we're guessing that the, the person was asking because they're looking for how do we make a good marriage last? How do we make our marriages um how do we, you know, yeah. have an enjoyable marriage that lasts? So you're saying years? they weren't wanting me to pontificate about how there's really great marriages out there. Don't believe the lie. No, that's they, fine. That's a starting point. But I actually thinking, wanted some real advice. Yeah, yeah, and they didn't want me to just say don't get a divorce because lots of people could be married for a really yeah. long time and be miserable. Yeah. So mm-hmm. do you have any thoughts about like, well, how do you stay happily married? How do you enjoy? How do you build a marriage that's going to last that you actually like each other, you enjoy yeah. each other, you're bringing glory to God? Like, yeah. what does that look like? Look, there's lots of Bible-y kind of answers to that question, but I think there we are. could just kind of think about like how we've applied scripture to our relationship, to mm-hmm. our marriage, because I think we've gotten a great start. We're yeah. 20 years mm-hmm. in, and it's been a great experience. We both say we've had a very happy marriage mm-hmm. up to this point, so... Uh, for us, we want to keep doing what we're doing, I think. Yeah. And some of the ingredients to me that we have going on, one is a foundation of Jesus, meaning yeah. that we're, we're, we are gospel people, so there's a lot of grace that like we know mm. we want to have for each other. We believe God's a redeemer, that he redeems our sin. So the gospel, Jesus, very involved in our marriage, but he's like the point. He's what we want. Mm-hmm. to aim for what to ha- have formed within our lives. We want to be like Christ. So that's a huge one. I mean, there's a m- many things we could talk about, but that's yeah. a major foundation. I think another thing for us is that we've always prioritized our oneness together. We've not let our kids mm-hmm. be like, they're not, they're part of our family, but they're an extension of our oneness. So we've always fought to really not let them be, the predominant uh, relationship, Mm -hmm. they're important to us, but us together, you and me, we have to prioritize that at times to their exclusion. Mm -hmm. 
And I think we started doing that early on. There's obviously a lot of expressions about that. Uh, and the way that that looks, you know, I think people can pursue one fleshness, for instance, and still have their kids sleep with them in their bed when they're little babies or whatever. Sure. You know, a lot of people do that. But for us, that was part of an expression for us. We said we don't want to invite them into our bed because we want to be per that's an expression for us, at least, of really chasing after one fleshness, mm -hmm. you know, our dates together, you know, stuff like that. I think we have to take time for each other. That's yeah. a really crucial component. We try to remain completely honest with each other to have no secrets or sins that we're yeah. just like kind of secretly dealing yeah. with that we don't want the other person to know about. We go on vacation together. <laughs> I think that's an important thing. We get away yeah. from all of our regular responsibilities. I think that's been really helpful, yeah. having a long-lasting marriage. Mm -hmm. And we have a vision for what we want life to look like when we're older. And I think that's helped mm -hmm. us have a, a you know, trend towards at least a long and healthy mm -hmm. and happy marriage. We're heading in the same direction together. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that friendship element is just so crucial because no matter what... Um, stage of life or even sickness health kind of thing you're in um, as you fight for friendship as you develop friendship as you pursue one another as you learn continually about one another there's just this there's the friendship that's gonna remain whether kids are in the picture or kids are out of the picture whether there's a super steamy bedroom attached to that friendship or a not so steamy bedroom season attached to that friendship whether you're rich or whether you're poor whether you're busy or you're not so busy um just like that really fighting for um being good friends i think is a big part of the puzzle Wow, that was an amazing conversation with Nate and Christina. I am so thankful for their perspectives and for their marriage, for their example. And I hope that you are too. Um, thanks for joining us again for this part two conversation about marriage. This is kind of a Q&A about marriage. I hope that part one and part two are a blessing for you. And I just want to encourage you, you know, if you're not married right now, maybe you're in a dating relationship or you're just considering dating. If that's you, please stay on the lookout in this feed for a conversation about dating relationships. My good friend Tate Brown is going to be having a conversation with Nan Christina about that here in the near future. I believe it's going to be helpful and encouraging because I know when I was dating my wife before we got married, Nan Christina poured into me and man, it was a game changer. So I hope that you're blessed with that. Again, stay on the lookout. We'll try to keep you informed with that. But church, we are praying for you. We love you. And we believe that the best in your relationships is yet to come. Have a great week. See you next time.